Hi, this is Dan Cassetta. Welcome to Flashback Friday on Changing Lives, Selling Knives. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from people who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. Episodes feature some of Cutco's most prominent alumni and top achieving current leaders. Flashback Friday is your chance to hear a short piece of one of my favorite past episodes. We'll hand select the best nuggets to share with you in this short form. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's flashback. Today we are flashing back to episode number 229 with Cutco Vector's SEC Division Manager, David Roy. David was a champion manager who was on his way up the advancement ladder in Vector before leaving to pursue another opportunity. But it wasn't long before David was back in Vector, living his true mission in life. In this short snippet, David shares his compelling reasons for coming back to Vector. Then he gets into some of the factors that have led to his consistent excellence since his return. In 2022, David's New Orleans sales team was number one across all categories in the company in sales from new reps. David possesses great enthusiasm and conviction that comes from a deep appreciation of his opportunity and a strong desire to show up energy-rich for everyone around him. If you enjoy this short flashback segment, be sure to revisit David's full story in episode number 229. What is it that you feel brought you back to the Vector business? What what does Vector offer that other places don't? Yeah, so you're going to laugh. So I had this belief, okay, at the time that young people who we work with, I wanted to work with leaders. I didn't want to work with young people. I wanted to work with people that didn't have excuses. I wanted to work with people that were inspired. I wanted to work with people that were had reasons to work hard, you know, all these different things. And I realized everybody has excuses, right? Like, you know, and... Oh, and the excuses get way more hardwired when somebody is 35 or 40 or 45 than when somebody's 20. Yes. So, you know, I had it all. My office was on like the 35th floor. I was uh, a CEO for a company. Like next door was to, uh, to our office was the Superdome. And I was so unhappy. And I don't know if you've ever had a situation where you wanted something so bad. And then when you got it, it just wasn't what you thought. And I had a lot of pride. I didn't want to admit I was wrong, so I stuck around. I stuck around for a little while. And I was listening to a podcast one day, and it was talking about leadership or what is your mission. And I always knew from a very early age that my mission was to to be a leader of leaders and to develop leaders. And that was my core value. That was my goal. That's the reason why I was put on this earth. And I had this moment of guilt and this moment of just disgust on how I could leave Cutco, where if that's my mission, I have the opportunity to impact people at the perfect age where they need the most molding, right? Where this is the time where they need it most. And I just never, I don't know why it took me leaving the company to understand that I was living my dream. This was the NFL for me. You know, this was the NBA. This is my dream. This is what I've always wanted to do. And I had to leave to understand. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I wanted to come back. 
I was listening to your podcast with Brandon Brown. And I remember him, you asked him the same question. You said, okay, you left the company, you came back on fire. You know, what were some of the tips? And he was talking about the human potential. I remember I was on my way to Corpus Christi. I was working a Farron's show and my goal was to sell $50,000 that campaign. Well, the first three and a half months, I had sold $20,000 and I had, you know, about a half month left to sell another 30 grand. And as I was listening to Brandon, he was talking about the human potential. He was talking about this concept of just being a champion. And I was like, man, I want to be a champion. And I remember just listening to podcasts multiple times and I went to the show and I sold $30,000 in 13 days and I hit my goal. And that was just a big breakthrough. It was like almost like a reminder of who I was as a person. You know, I had spent two years of just being unhappy. So that was a really cool moment. And then I, I prepared my butt off. I worked hard. And anything you could think of, I did. And then right when I was about to open up, COVID happened. And everything that I trained for, they were like, all right, we're going to change it. And I was, didn't know what to do. And what a cool story. After all of that, I had 120 people set for training my first week. I had zero people helping me at the time. Out of the 120 people set, I hired like 110 of them. And I was doing remote interviews. I once hired 30 people in one day on remote interviews. Just It was just awesome. And we did $20,000 in new business. And our first week open, we finished as a number one new business office in the nation. Wow. Yeah. That is incredible. And you have continued that ever since then. Tell us a little bit about how you've had this epic run of consistency, because starting from that first week open, you have done over 10K new business every single week since then. I think we got to be going on 55 or 60 weeks at this point in a row. How does a team have such great consistency? Sure. Well, it started off with pain. I realized that talent only takes you so far in this business. I used to think of myself as the guy as the guy with charisma or the guy that had high energy. But what I realized is we've had branches in the past that looked up to me as a role model and saw me wing it, saw me just rely on culture and just not really have a plan, but still have success to an extent, right? And that success was exactly what you can imagine. Really big during the summer, and during the fall and spring, it would dip down because we didn't have systems and we didn't have programs. And it just caused so much pain and that I decided that that would never happen again. So from the first day, I created every system, every program that was going to be for the SEC division. Even if I wasn't going to be the division manager, I wanted to make sure that our people had systems and programs. But most of all, I wanted to make sure that anybody can succeed because they deserve it, right? Whether you're introverted, extroverted, shy, outgoing, you can be a kick-butt branch manager. You can be a kick-butt assistant manager. You can be a kick-butt district manager. And we have the tools to help anybody. And that's leadership. And so from the first week, Dan, even while there were assistant managers, everything that I did was systematic. And of course, people have talent, and for sure. But when they were making calls to their reps, when they were doing PDI, PDI script was up. When they were running interviews, interview scripts was up, right? I treated them like branch managers very early. And that was step number one. Number Step number two was, where does your energy go? And 
we've always been told 80% of the business from the top 20%, right? And then vice versa. And so when you start treating them like branch managers and every day, you know, it's really hard when you look at the macro scale of things to say, okay, we're going to do $10,000 every single week, no matter what. But if you have seven on staff or five on staff, it's really easy to say, how can you get this team to do two grand? How can you get this team to do two grand? Mm -hmm. How can you do this, get this team to do two grand? And who is your top 20%, right? Who are you going to duplicate this week, right? Who's your person that you're going to have at the newsletter before the team meeting? And we have metrics, right, for every day of the week. You know, I always think about it like if you're playing football, there has to be a score, right? There has to be an objective that you're trying to accomplish. So we do that. You know, so having, being able to spend your energy on your top 20% is really important. Uh, teaching people how to do that is critical, right? I think the next thing is that every week comes with a different plan. It's like, you know, I know you're a fan of sports, Dan, and, you know, the Saints, when they play against somebody, they're going to have a different scheme. And every week is different. And you can't be afraid to adjust. And that's, that's so important. Some weeks when, you know, Memorial Day weekends in two weeks, right? That's our pop week. It's an eight-day week. We have to be able to adjust to that week. And you know what? Sometimes we're at $3,000 in new business sales, and it's a Thursday. You have a small training class. Well, you have to adjust. You have to focus on who's the person that you have the most leverage with, who's the person that you can generate and duplicate that person. If you call them on the phone, maybe offer an incentive and get two of their friends in training. You have to find ways to win no matter what. And then you create an identity, which is the next thing, the identity of winning, right? And finding an identity that no matter what we can win, my, I don't know if it's a record, it's probably not, but whatever the streak is that we have, we were in jeopardy of losing it the other night. And I was so proud of my team. It was 10 o'clock at night. This was during the school year. And we were doing a staff meeting and I took ownership. I was on a staff meeting. I said, guys, I'll let you down. We're at $8,000 in new business sales. It's 10 o'clock at night. I'm so sorry. I should have been better. The old, you know, like I was just so upset that we weren't able to do the full year. And it was like two weeks before the full year. And I was devastated. And at two o'clock in the morning, I get a grouping notification that we sold a signature and some other stuff. And we hit 10K at two o'clock in the morning. And I've had times, Dan, you know, believe it or not, where we're at 9,800 and I get a text message from my assistant manager and she's like, Hey, like I'm going to call people in my family and we're going to, we're going to sell some freaking cutting boards and they find a way to win. There's an identity now that no matter what, we don't get below that mark. Right. And I think that's so cool. And I think like the, the, the last tip that I, I would say is every week you need a different leader and that's okay. You know, when I was new, I would try to, I would find somebody that's really, really, really good at the job and I would try to ride that wave. And yes, I think you should ride the wave, but the answer is always recruiting. And I used to have this mindset, Dan, of I'm going to recruit the right kids, right? And I'm going to recruit the best kids, the people that are going to sell the most. But you know what? I wasn't the right kid and I was developed. Yes. And I have a lot more of an open net recruiting now. If you don't have the training class that you like, recruit, right? If you don't have the culture that you desire, recruit, right? If you know, I think it's important to fix your mistakes, right? As we go, that's really important, right? But if you don't have the staff that you desire, recruit. And I think that a lot of times district managers think that sales is the sexy thing, right? It's all about sales. We're necessarily recruiting is the thing that's going to create sustainable business. For sure. We are in a business where we provide opportunity. 
And that mindset is first and foremost for anybody who wants to be a successful manager. And providing opportunity means giving people a chance to start the job, giving them the the training, the best training that that we can give them and the best support that we can give them. Understanding that some people are going to take a lot of that and do stuff with it. Other people are just going to give up right away. And that's what happens in life, in anything. But we give people opportunity and we give people our best. And that's where it all starts. So now you've been promoted to run the SEC division. What uh, is your vision for the organization? When I think about like our vision, when I think about who we are, you know, I think about developed champions, becoming better men, becoming better women, becoming better doctors, better lawyers, and being a part of that 1% in whatever field you decide to go to. And knowing that there's going to be people that work with us for a long time. And there's going to be a lot of people that just use us as a stepping stone. right? And I think that's really important that we don't take for granted that when somebody walks into our Zoom or walks into our office, right, that we have the obligation right, to get to show up and give that person our very best. When I think about excellence and standards, really, it's also, it's Cutco, but it's not Cutco, right? And I always believe that the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And, you know, I think about excellence, be the best mom you could be, be the best dad you could be. And that's really what we're focused on. So our philosophy is really simple. In the SEC, we develop champions, right? Men and women that are going to become the best versions of themselves. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's flashback episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, you can find the full episode and show notes at changinglivespodcast.com. You can also sign up there to receive free resources from me and some of our amazing guests. Please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. This is Dan Cassetta signing off We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.